And if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. These are both the teachings of Jesus. And of course, uh, if you believe the Bible is actually God's word, and I assure you we do here, uh, you know that there cannot be a conflict in God's word, that if there is any conflict, it's in our misunderstanding of God's words. And the last several weeks, uh, we started out right here and we talked about the rich young ruler and how that he came to Jesus and left because he chose his possessions rather than the Lord. And we ex- examined those uh, in history that have stretched out their hand to grasp life and its greatest experiences as Adam and Eve reached out for knowledge and light they plunged the world into darkness and death as King David was not satisfied with all that life had to offer him felt that he could reach out and, and have that greater experience and brought death and suffering to his family and to his sons. We looked at the lives of Abraham and Paul, the apostle. How that they gave up everything they seemingly had. And today, we reverence their lives and we rejoice with what they did. We spent time in the Old Testament looking at the picture of the brazen altar, how that the fire was ever to be burning, picturing the ongoing daily process of dying to self. And of course, the greatest example in all the Scripture is that of the Lord Jesus Christ, who took upon Him human flesh and humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And so I want to challenge you this morning that these two phrases are not contradictory, but are actually complementary. If I want to find that abundant life that Jesus has promised, it comes as I surrender, as I get rid of Paul said it in Romans, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto Jesus Christ. And we're going to start reading in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 16. Verse 24 of Matthew chapter 16. There are many great things here. Jesus gave the command for the starting of His church. By the way, He said He would start it. He would build it. He will finish it. Don't uh, allow men or organizations to get in the way of what Jesus said he would do. And Peter here in verses 21 and 23 decided that that was too important for the Lord to die and to go through all of this punishment and he was going to protect Jesus. What a joke. It's Jesus who would protect Peter after Peter had failed. Amen. And Jesus rebukes Peter, and then he comes with these words, which are the essence of what true Christianity is. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited 
if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. So we look at these verses. And this morning, uh, I want to try to wrap up the last uh, four Sunday morning sermons and this one all in one. Jesus makes a statement here. He says, If any man will come after me. Now, there are so many uh, people and organizations and ways out there to understand the Bible. Uh, we embrace very few of them because they were developed by man. I'm not a Calvinist. I don't want a lawyer's understanding of the gospel, which is what John Calvin was actually trained to be. I don't want something that can be all put down step after step because if I follow Calvinism to its ultimate degree, God becomes the author of sin. And God becomes the programmer, the master, the master puppeteer, who pulls all the strings and causes people to act according to the script that he wrote. If that were true, why did Jesus say, if any man will come after me, if any man could not come after him? You see, that's why we reject that kind of understanding of the Scripture. The Gospel is open to every living soul. It says, if any man will come after me, and of course, if we have any women livers here this morning, I'm sorry, but the word man there includes ladies. It's talking about mankind. If any person will come after me, uh, that means there's a choice that has to be made. You know what? God does not drag anybody kicking and screaming into heaven. He does not force you to surrender yourself to Him. Nor would he. I mean, we've often given, I've given this example before, but if you, were, if you are here today and you're single and you're looking for that special someone, and I happen to have a little bottle of pills, and I said, now listen, all you got to do is drop one of this in their Coke or in their drink before they drink it, and they will love you forever. And you can pick the person you do this to. I mean, it's, it works. Unlike the ads in the newspaper, okay? Uh, but how many of you would take advantage of something like that? So that'd be cool. I can pick whoever I want, but then stop and think about it. The only reason they care about you is because you did something to them that they had no choice about. That they didn't know they were doing. What kind of relationship would that be? How, how close would you be to that person? Oh, they would love me forever. It's all I want. No, it, it wouldn't be. You'd get tired of it real quick. You know what you want? You want somebody who cares about you because you're you. Isn't that true? Man, there, there is no greater gift a woman can give you than to care about you 
and to choose you out of all the people in this world and say, I do. Amen? Ladies, there's no greater gift a man can give you than to share that love willingly. It's amazing to me, uh, as a pastor, I deal with people who have marriage problems and I am glad to help in any way that I possibly can. And I believe the answers are in the Scriptures. But one of the first things I'll do is, is, is just simply say, now, when you got married, did you love each other? And usually I get a blank stare. And Well, was there somebody with a shotgun there saying, say I do or I'm going to pull the trigger? Well, no, no. Okay, well, you know, you weren't forced to marry that person, right? I mean, you chose to do that. Well, yeah. But you know, you make wrong choices sometimes. I've had people say that. Now, now wait a minute. You see, some things have changed from that time till this time. Yeah, they sure have. I like the way one preacher put it. Marriage is God's institute for the blind. Love is blind. But after marriage, blind eyes do see. But God has given us marriage. That special relationship with one man and one woman. Period. To illustrate his love for us. And what he desires us and how he desires us to care about him. He doesn't want to drag you down to the altar and say, now be my servant. Even though that's the best thing that could ever happen to you. We all love Psalm uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means he's going to give me everything I want. No, it doesn't. If the Lord is the shepherd, who's in charge? You or him? And the shepherd, because he is the shepherd, does that which is best for the sheep. So if that means getting sheared, Guess what? Get sheared. It's not going to hurt you. It's going to allow you to produce more wool. Amen? You see, the problem is people want to be saved. They want to go to heaven. I, I don't know of any thoughtful, thinking human being that says... I hate God, and I I don't want anything to do with Him, and I want to go to hell. I mean, there's people that have said that. But people say stupid things all the time now, don't they? But when it comes to what Jesus says here, He says, If any man will come after me. That means you've got to make a choice to follow Jesus. By the way, if if you're following Jesus, can you follow your own heart as well? 
No. If you're following Jesus, is He... Uh, you know, the Bible says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That is exactly correct. But let me explain how that works. You see, if I will come after Jesus, He is going to write His desires over top of mine. And then He will grant those desires. Because they are no longer mine, but they're actually His. But if I'll embrace them, guess who gets the joy? I do. Amen? You see, we read these words and we pass over them if they're just another sentence in Scripture. If there's two words that describe our culture today, I think the first word would be selfish and the second word would be shallow. There's just not a lot of real thought process that goes on today. I mean, people all the time. Well, we all believe the same thing. Uh, have you read the history books? Do you know that churches used to fight wars with each other? Uh, do you know that there's still religions in this world that are out there fighting wars because they want to bring about peace? But their description of peace is slavery. It's not all the same. Things, now this is going to be amazing. Things that are different aren't the same. Always gets quiet when I say that. What, what are you trying to say, preacher? How many of you remember the memory game when you were kids? Little cards with pictures on them? How many of you tried to match cards that weren't the same? Come on, raise your hands. We all did that, didn't we? Don't try to match things that are different and say they're the same. You're just being dishonest with yourself. If no one else will believe your lies, guess who will? You will. We like to think good things about ourselves. We, we like to look in the mirror and say, you know, I, I think I understand life a lot better than some of these people out here who are just doing all these crazy things. You know what Jesus says? He says, if any man will come after me. You know what that means? It means I've got to stop trusting what's up here. I've got to stop trusting what goes through here. What I can touch and what I can handle. What I can perceive and what I can understand. There, there are, Jesus does not offer a halfway option. You can come after me to a certain extent. Uh, you can come after, you can be a 30% Christian and a 60% Christian and a 100%, no. Jesus says, if any man will come after me. 
we need to get a hold of this. Because you see, if I will make this decision to come after Jesus, then there's some things that are going to have to happen. That's what the next part of the verse is. There is some action demanded by the decision to come after Jesus. And I want to challenge you today to be honest that if that action is not happening, that the decision was not made. Amen? Do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. Now, Brother Zach, can you cut the volume just a little bit? It says here, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. But, but Pastor, how in the world am I supposed to actualize what is really in me if I deny myself? That's exactly the key. You see, there are preachers out there today, and there are religions that are built on realizing the inner you. You know what? The Bible says we ought to be very afraid of that. It says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It says the fool desireth to know his own heart. The wise man desireth to know Christ. You see, it says deny himself. Now, how many of you wanted to get something at Christmas time? Everybody in here. Christmas isn't for kids. You know why I love Christmas? It's because I get to give my kids things that I wish I'd gotten when I was their age, right? You get to play with the toys they didn't have when you were a kid. Daddy, didn't you give this to me? Yeah, yeah, but let me show you how to use it. Isn't that the way it works? It's hard to deny yourself. It's hard to say no. It's hard to look at at what life could be if only I could have my way. And say, okay, I'm going to surrender it all to Jesus. That's what the word deny means. It means just no. You know, I love my dad. I often say, he taught me the meaning of two words. No and now. They're almost spelled exactly the same. But I'll tell you what, if you know the meaning of those two words, you have an education whether you have a diploma or not. And if you don't know those two words, I don't care how many psychological degrees you have to explain it away, you're still missing an awful lot that life has to offer. That's why Jesus said, deny himself. But it doesn't stop there. What's the next one? Look in your Bible. I want you to read it out loud with me. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, here we go, let him deny himself. Now the next one. And take up his cross. Now, the cross had significance in the Jewish mind. 
You see, the Romans were the controlling entity in the world at that time. The Roman Empire was in charge of what we know as the civilized world or or, uh, the world of history. Our history comes through the Roman Empire. That's where, if we go back far enough, most of our people, whether you were in Africa, Romans controlled all northern Africa. Whether you were in Europe, the Romans controlled up to the Danube River and, and uh, the, the island of, of Britain. Most of what is now today uh, southern France was all in the sphere of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire had one uh, choice way of asserting its authority and reminding those who were under its dominion, what happened if you stood up against Rome? It was called a cross. They nailed you to it or impaled you on it and then left you there. There were some things that were done to accommodate the the Jewish people so that they wouldn't have a riot every time they had a crucifixion. And that was not to leave the bodies on the cross more than a day. But in the rest of the world, it wasn't that way. It was a gruesome, unbelievably humiliating reminder of the authority of Rome. The verse we read earlier in Luke, Jesus said, take up your cross daily. You want no one survived crucifixion. The Jewish historian uh, Josephus, when he rode through uh, the land of Israel with the Roman armies, which tells you how Jewish Josephus was, in 70 A.D., as they were destroying the land, saw two of people he knew hanging on crosses by the highway. And he went to the Roman general and says, I know these two guys, will you take them down? And the Roman general said, sure. Let the other thousand or so lay there, but uh, hang there, but take those two down. If they're your friends, they died because of the trauma that had already been inflicted on them. We look at this word, these words, take up his cross. You know, there's a possessive, singular pronoun there. His. His is connected to man at the beginning of the verse. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And once you say no to yourself, then you got to crucify yourself. Now, all over the world... There are people who reenact to certain degrees the crucifixion of Christ, where they will have nails driven through their body in different places, and some will be tied to a cross and hang on there, and there will be many actors who try to imitate and to represent what Jesus did on the cross. And I want to challenge you, that's probably about the most foolish thing you can do if you want to understand what the cross is about. Uh, don't, don't get Mel Gibson's movie 
and think you're going to understand anything about the Bible. How could a man who curses, carouses, consorts, fornicates, all the things that Mel Gibson does, well, by the way, how could somebody like that help you understand the Bible? That's amazing that anyone would think that thought. Oh, but he's a very faithful member of his religion. Yeah, well, you know what would happen if he is a member of this religion? We'd kick him out. In fact, he wouldn't even get in the door. You've got to get saved first. You've got to be willing to follow Jesus and deny yourself and pick up your cross and stop trying to tell everybody else how smart you are. Jesus doesn't need any helpers. He's not going to use some stupid movie to help you understand God's Word. In fact, if I want to really get angry and get my blood pressure up, all I do is watch some movie that somebody made about the Bible. Oh, Pastor, you can't be against the Ten Commandments. Good night. There is so little Bible in that movie that it doesn't deserve the title. They don't even tell you what the Ten Commandments are. Listen, to take up your cross does not mean to physically die. It means I say no to myself and I am making sure that I can't say yes. Paul put it this way, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. In Romans chapter 12, and I'm getting just a little ahead of myself, but it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present what? Your bodies. A living sacrifice. Holy. That's separated. Not for any other use. That's what the word holy means. Acceptable unto God, which is your... What's that next word, if you know it? Reasonable. Why is that reasonable? Because of the cross. Because what Jesus did to pay the price for my sins and for yours. Jesus was speaking in Matthew 16 before the cross... He said, if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross. And you're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to follow Jesus. By the way, what is the lie every cultist has ever used? Follow me. That's what Jim Jones said when he led all those people to death in Guyana years ago. That's what your local friendly neighborhood Jehovah's Witness tell you. Just, you, you can't believe what they tell you. You have to follow me. That's what your friendly Catholic priest will tell you. You can't understand the Bible. You've got to let me teach it to you. If, if, if you understand the Bible for yourself, you're going to end up a radical heretic like them Baptists over there. Amen. You see... 
What I'm telling you today is take this book home and read it for yourself. My only job here is to help you understand what it says. And you know, if I come up with something that you can't see, ask me, and I'll try to explain why we see that in there. It says here, if any man will follow me, and will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. How do you follow Jesus? Oh, I know. I get to walk up the procession up the Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem and, and walk from, from Pilate's Hall to where Jesus was crucified. And, and we'll do all the stations of the cross. And No, that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my command. What was his commandments? That ye love one another. You know what? It's hard to love people. I mean, if you're married today, praise God. Someone said, I love you and you love them. But... If you'll be honest, you got to work at that. And if you don't, it's not going to happen. Thank God for parents that love their children and teach them in the way that's right. But you know, a lot of people don't have any of that. And I've had people saying, Pastor, no one has ever loved me. No one has ever expressed love to me in my entire life. And I said, that's not true. I said, I'm here today to tell you about one who has. His name is Jesus. And he's expressed his love to you in ways that no other human being can. In greater fashion than any human being could possibly hope to. You see, he denied himself and became a man. He took up his cross only his cross was not a spiritual death of self. His cross was a physical death of self. And he followed the Father's commandments through the risen Lord. Amen. Through the empty tomb. You see, Jesus makes a statement here in these next few verses. It will be done in just a few moments. He says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You can try to live your life your way. But I promise you, you're going to lose it. Or you can surrender everything you are and everything you would ever hope to be to Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. And you'll have life. You know, we're not smart enough to know what to do with what God has given us. We've got to have some help. Years ago, they had a campaign 
uh, in New York City, an advertising campaign had a picture of a little teenage girl. And it said, I wish they came with instructions. I saw that and read it for, I was, I was yelling inside the van. I got the instructions, amen. They're right here. It tells me what to do and how to do it. How could you be so blind? This is the instructions for life. But guess what you got to do? You got to give up first. You got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross. You see, Jesus is coming back. Look at verse 27. Well, let's finish this. For what is a man profited, verse 26, if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? Now, there's all kinds of stories that man has written about people selling their souls to the devil and trying to break the contract. Uh, a very popular song when I was a young uh, teenager was, The Devil Went to Georgia Seeking for a Soul. And little Johnny played his fiddle better than the devil did and won the contest. Liar. Never happened. You know what? You don't have to sign a contract to sell your soul to the devil. All you have to do is sin. Because the wages of sin is death. We could give examples of people who had everything. Probably the most powerful woman in the history of the world was Queen Elizabeth of England. They say her dying words were, My kingdom for another moment of life. I think of the billionaire Howard Hughes who in his lifetime amassed what was the world's single largest fortune, or arguably that, and died in a drug-induced coma in an airplane somewhere between Mexico and the United States with broken needles in his body that he had tried to inject himself with drugs. There wasn't a beggar in any skid row that's ever died a worse and more vile death than the billionaire Howard Hughes died. Jesus wasn't kidding when he said, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? My friend, what are you selling your soul for today? A little money? A little power? Say, all I want is to live a good life. Uh, Jesus said you're not going to get that done. Unless you're willing to come after Him. To say no to yourself. Take up the cross that belongs to you. And follow Him. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. 
Jesus is coming back. And the Bible tells us He will set up His kingdom here on this earth. And He will rule and reign for a thousand years. That's why I'm not too worried about all the gainsayers and all the people who say we're going to blow ourselves up and global warming is going to destroy everything. There's a whole lot worse in the book of Revelation than global warming. Read it. And when it's all said and done, He who gave His life for us is going to sit upon His throne, the throne of His father David, and rule this world for a thousand years. You know what the crime rate is going to be during the millennial kingdom? Zero. You know what the fraud rate is going to be? Zero. The inflation rate? <laughs> zero. Uh, I believe the tax rate is going to be zero, too. Because he owns everything. He willingly will accept our offerings. And you know what? If you're here today and you're saved, you know what your job is going to be? Read Revelation chapter 1. He's made us kings and priests unto our God. I'm looking forward to that day. But I'll tell you what, if you're not willing to get rid of your life, if you're not willing to surrender it to Him, you're not following Jesus. You're not coming after Him. You know, the Bible's not a very complicated book. People make it that way. What should we do that we may do the works of God? What did Jesus say? Believe on Him whom God has sent. That's all it is. What did Jesus ask us to do? He said, I want you to call upon the name of the Lord and let me save you. That's not too complicated. Even a child can do that. After you get saved, he said, I want you to be baptized in my name. I want you to serve in my church. I want you to be taught how to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Peter tells us that all things that pertain unto life and godliness are given unto us through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. But it all starts with the word if. If any man will come after me. If you make that decision, it demands some action. If that action is not happening in your life, I want to challenge you to think about the decision that you think you have made and to investigate that because what has a man profited if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Because Jesus is coming. And He will reward us. Not only with eternal life, but also with eternal death. You have to choose whom you're going to serve. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a few moments to think. Not about your neighbor. Not about your friend, not about your spouse or your children. But I would ask you to think about yourself. About your 
relationship with God. Have you surrendered to Him? Have you denied yourself and taken up your cross and followed Jesus? If you haven't, you can make that decision today. You say, Pastor, I'm, I want to, I'm, I'm thinking, but I'm just not sure about some things. The only thing I would know to do is, I, I don't want to embarrass you in any way or call any attention to you, but I'd like to pray for you anonymously. But would you at least just, in this moment of quiet, as no one's looking around, just slip a hand up and say, Preacher, I'm struggling with this. Would you pray for me? Just slip up a hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that one as well. I'm struggling with that. I'm Yes. I'm not sure about my salvation. My prayer is not going to save you. You still have to come to the Savior. But I'd like to pray for you. Anyone else would say, Preacher, put me on that list. I'm just struggling. I'm not sure about my salvation. Then the next question would be, Pastor, I know I'm saved. But those things that are supposed to be happening in my life aren't. And I need to get back in fellowship with God and do what the Bible says. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip up a hand this morning? All over the auditorium, anyone. Just slip it up and right back down. The Lord sees those hands. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, would like to pray for those that have identified themselves by the testimony of an uplifted hand. Several hands went up and said, I'm not sure about my salvation. I'm not sure about this thing. I'm, I'm concerned about my soul. And Lord, I, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would work in each heart and each life. Lord, I pray that there'd be an opportunity to sit down with each one and open the Bible and answer those questions according to Your Word. Lord, Your Word is the answer for the confusion, for the deception and the self-deception that hinders us from understanding Your Word. Lord, I pray for a greater number that said, Preacher, I know I'm saved, but my life is not acting in the way the Bible says it should. Now, Lord, I'm glad the Holy Spirit of God is able to deal with each soul here individually and in their heart of hearts without having to reveal anything to another human being. And we ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in hearts and to convict of sin and to bring us back again to following the Savior. We're thankful for the promise of forgiveness that is in Your Word. We're thankful for the redemption that was paid for with Your blood. And Lord, 
We ask that you would help each one here to understand that worship is not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's obedience to your word. Help us to live a life of worship this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation, 508.